Liz Peake, Fox News contributor, Hill columnist, Steve Moore, Freedom Works Committee to Unleash Prosperity, new book, Godzilla. Kids, welcome back. Uh, happy Passover, happy and holy Passover, happy and holy Easter. And we have a tailor-made discussion point from today's Wall Street Journal editorial page. We begin with the eternal COVID emergency. <laughs> Health and Human Services extends the crisis again so it can keep the extra welfare flowing. HHS Secretary Javier Becerra on Wednesday extended the national public health emergency for another 90 days. Why? Because permanent crisis means more dependence on government. Liz Peake, I begin with you. The eternal COVID emergency. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought that was an excellent article, and uh, I wrote something about this for the New York yes. Sun yesterday because I just think Democrats are sort of losing their minds. People really want to move on. Even Anthony Fauci, for heaven's sakes, has said now it's up to individuals, you know, to assess their own risk and make decisions, and we need to treat people like adults. Uh, but what we're seeing is rolling backwards, mask mandates being introduced in colleges in Philadelphia, uh, mm -hmm. Eric Adams doing this ridiculous thing of requiring infants, small children under five years old to wear masks. I, I actually don't know what they're thinking, because, yes, cases are up a tiny fraction. Hospitalizations, deaths, not so. They are still going down, which is great. Uh, so I think this is stupid. And by the way, it really points the hypocrisy on the Title 42 issue. Why are we relaxing Title 42, which keeps people from uh, staying in the country, coming in the country across our southern border because health reasons? If we can do that, how in the world do we have a national emergency ongoing? The key phrase there, Democrats are losing their minds. Yeah. I just love, I love that. So, Steve Moore, how did these COVID lockdowns work? You wrote a long piece about this. How's this thing working for the government? Yeah, look, uh, your uh, friend of mine, uh, Casey Mulligan, and I, and uh, Phil Kirpin, who's an expert on COVID, uh, did this pretty comprehensive study uh, on looking at the 50 states and which states, because it's been basically two years now, which states got it right, both in terms of um, keeping their citizens healthy and safe, but also looking at how did they keep their economies functioning, and then most importantly, did they keep their kids in school? Because we now know, as Liz was saying, that um, that probably the one of the greatest mistakes in American history was shutting down our schools. It did incredible damage to children with zero benefits, except for the teachers' unions didn't want to teach. In any case, so if you look at those three variables and say, okay, which states got it right? You know, it's basically states like Nebraska, Utah, Vermont, Florida. Florida actually had a very good record. Um, kept their economy open. They had, uh, they didn't have a, you know, slew of business failures. They didn't have millions of people in unemployment lines like California. And the states that had the worst record, Larry, were states like New York, New Jersey, California, Illinois. Gee, what do those states all have in common? Uh, but here's the thing that's frustrating to me in terms of, look, it's one thing to have made mistakes two years ago when we were dealing with the virus. We didn't know exactly what we were facing. There was a bit of a panic among the public and politicians. But here we are two years later, and it's almost as if the politicians have learned absolutely nothing. They're, they're, they're putting in place the exact same policies that were huge failures, and that is quite distressing to me, I must say. I mean, for, to continue 
to talk about lockdowns. By the way, if you read the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN, you'd, you'd think that the lockdowns were effective. They were a massive failure, massive failure. You know, Liz, one, <clears throat> one part of this is suspending work requirements, okay? Yep. That's yep. really uh, one of the most damaging parts of this story. Uh, paying people not to work, no more workfare. And this editorial is so interesting to me because they talk about how food stamps continue to rise, welfare continues to rise, and that means, again, welfare without workfare. This is um, debilitating to the whole society. Yeah, and, and particularly, Larry, when what is our number one economic problem in this country right now? According to every poll, every American says it's inflation. What is one of the germs of inflation right now that's causing it is a labor shortage. So why on earth would you apply programs which were never meant to be this way and allow people basically to not work, to, give, to get benefits, able-bodied people without dependents. This is, these aren't single moms with six kids. These are able-bodied people without dependents being given money and not being required to work or go into job training or anything. You know, we've, we've experimented with this before. It always ends up badly, and it always ends up being reversed because it is such a terrible policy. Nobody should be in that position. And so, I, I actually thought the article was well-balanced because it mentions, yeah, down the, when the economy collapsed under COVID, maybe there was, you know, a moment in time where it made sense to help everybody. That is no longer the case. Right now, any able-bodied person willing to work can get a job. And boy, we need those people to go to work. The labor participation rate has barely, barely edged up. And that needs to happen to, to begin to put a cap on inflation. Yeah, Steve Moore, as of January, there were nearly 2.5 million more households receiving food stamps mm. than in 2019 and 500,000 more than in April 2020. That's with um, <clears throat> very tight labor markets, as Liz has pointed out. So it, it sort of begs credulity. And the question here is, where's Congress on this? Where's Congress, both parties? Yeah, uh, let me just add something to the to the whole story of all these um, welfare benefits. The, the fraud rates have gone absolutely through the roof. So our friend um, Kevin Brady, who is the ranking Republican on the Ways and Means Committee, has done a pretty thorough investigation, although more investigation needs to be done. They estimate um, about $150 billion in fraud in the unemployment benefit program, over $100 billion, not billion, not million, $100 billion fraud in, uh, in Medicaid and food stamps. And then there was also massive fraud in the PPP program. Nobody does anything about this. <laughs> and, so, and so not only do you have uh, massive expenditures for these programs. Half the money is going to people who aren't even eligible. And what we've learned over the last two years, another lesson is, you know what? What happens when you pay people not to work, Larry? Yeah, they don't work. <laughs> they don't work. <laughs> <laughs> Buzz, hit the red button. So um, wasn't there massive fraud in the unemployment benefits? Yeah, 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 100, $150 billion. $150 billion. That we, by the way, do you know how much they've recovered from of the fraud? 20 Less cents. Less than, less than $2 billion. So that means they've, they've recovered about 1% of the fraud. And, and by the way, people say, well, that stimulates the economy. No, the money went to Africa, went to South America. Went to Mexico. It's not even here China. in the United States. <laughs> money goes to China. Actually, yeah, well, 
So, Liz, what um, inflation is wreaking havoc on real wages and inflation is public enemy number one, as you noted at the beginning. And what are we going to do about this inflation? Well, I don't know what you and I are going to do about it. I'm pretty (laughs) sure the White House isn't going to do anything about it. The most uh, hilarious thing they've done this weekend or week uh, is to reverse their stance opposing uh, drilling for oil on federal lands because, of course, energy prices are through the roof. They keep telling us it's Putin's price hike, but Americans aren't buying that because they know that Biden came into office and basically stepped on U.S. oil and gas producers. So now, in an about face that was released or revealed uh, Friday of a holiday, important holiday weekend where almost no one noticed it, uh, now they've done this about face, which of course, is tempered to such a degree. It's a tiny fraction that they want to allow now to be leased of what was going to be leased. And they're raising royalty rates by a rough calculation, 50 percent, to make it less agreeable, less enticing for oil and gas companies to to uh, drill on these on these leased lands. Honestly, there is nothing coherent about the White House policy. If this is their attempt to increase U.S. oil and gas production, it is a mile too late and too short. Uh, and, and I think the industry is just going to ignore it altogether. By the way, Steve Moore, after the Strategic Petroleum Reserve announcement of all these sales, I just want to note that um, West Texas crude is back to $107 yeah. a barrel. Yeah, it just is. Saying. It is. It, just saying. Yeah. Right. You know, the problem. You know, I agree with obviously everything Liz just said about the, you know, what Biden is trying to do now. But, you know, I've talked to oil executives. You've had oil executives on your show, Larry. They don't trust Biden. You can't have one day you can drill and the next day you can't. One day you can, you can't. You can build pipelines, then you can't. I mean, these businesses aren't going to make billions of dollars of investments with Biden in the White House when he when his basic half of his staff says they want to bankrupt the oil and gas companies. So this is a you put it very well. This is not an act of nature. This is a self-inflicted wound. We should. I really believe, Larry, you know, when when Trump left office, we're about 11 million barrels a day. Now we're down to about 10 million. I think if Trump were still president, we'd be at 15 million barrels a day. Yeah, production. Well, we were at 13 million plus. I got to take a and quick I, break. Yeah, before we'll come back. Yeah, before, I mean, before COVID, and, and we would be, we have so much oil and gas in this country. You know, the idea that we're getting it from Russia and Iran and Saudi Arabia today makes no sense to the American people. No one understands the Biden strategy. It, it's this religion of climate change has become truly a religion for these people. They are they have a complete obsession. It's all they care about. They don't care about inflation. They don't care about crime. They don't right, care me, about the border. They care about climate change. And let me take a quick break. Change the temperature of the planet. We're talking to Liz Peak. We're talking to Steve Moore. On the other side of the break, guess what? Monday is tax day. It's a wonderful thing. The day after Easter this year is tax day. Liz Peak, Steve Moore. I'm Cudlow. We'll be right back. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're here with Liz Peake, Fox News contributor and columnist, and Steve Moore, Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and Godzilla is his latest book. So, kids, um, let's see. U.S. tax revenues set another record of $2.1 trillion under Biden in the last six months. That's one headline from the Washington Times. Another headline from the Tax Foundation blog uh, website is Biden budget would raise income tax rates 
to highest in developed world. And Monday is tax day. In fact, we will be having a great special on that. Fox Business, Cudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. You both are going to be on that, on set, I believe, which is really going to be awesome. Anyway, um, Liz Peak, tax day. Are you happy about this? What do you think? Uh, I think <laughs> Is this a wonderful policy? event? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really something to celebrate, Larry. Um, <laughs> I noticed that uh, Joe Biden paid a tax rate of 24.6%, and I can't wait to hear how he did that because, boy, that sure isn't what we're paying. Uh, and uh, I don't really, you know, that's a pretty low rate. Um, look, I, I've been thinking a lot about this because New York State is driving people out so dramatically uh, with by continuing to raise taxes, even though they don't need to. And I think that kind of gets at what you're pointing out. Revenues have been going up, and, and all Democrats want to do in states and cities uh, and in the federal government is to raise tax rates. So you have to kind of wonder why. I mean, what's the point of that? If, if we don't need to do it, we should not be doing it, because it, it obviously, uh, on a state and city basis, uh, chases people away. And on a federal basis, it just sort of, you know, basically leads us into corners we should not be in. So I, I have to say, I think it's very discouraging. I think our tax policy is a complete mess at the moment. Uh, I really do love the flat tax argument. Um, I think that's such a brilliant idea. We'll, we'll never get there. Uh, but it, it is one way to eliminate all the loopholes and, you know, virtue signaling and all the rest of the stuff. Uh, because right now it's just like a feeding trough for officials, and and you know it's just incredibly unhealthy for the country. I mean, I'm well, sort of babbling because it makes me so mad, honestly. <laughs> well, look at uh, Joe Biden. He paid 24, 25 percent tax rate on 600 grand plus yeah. of income, but that's that's on a seasonally adjusted Hunter Biden laptop basis. Right? <laughs> that doesn't include his laptop, what I'm going to call his laptop money. And Steve Moore, I want to ask you about the IRS, which is going to be a topic of our tax special on Monday. Um, the IRS got a funding boost, allowing it to hire more than 10,000 new employees to deal with tax collection and a massive filing backlog. How's that working? How's that IRS stuff working? What do you think? Well, first of all, I'm going to just disagree with one thing that Liz said. I actually believe, I mean, we both, we all three agree that Steve Forbes had the right idea of the flat tax. But I really think people are just so fed up with the system. I, I, I think the moment may be arriving for some really radical simplification of the tax code that raises the money that we need but gets rid of all the special interests. And that would be, I mean, think of what that would mean for our economy. If we could get that tax rate down to, say, 19.5%, and uh, we just suck so much capital from the rest of the world, we wouldn't have this inflation problem. We wouldn't have this problem, uh, you know, with with the low growth we've had with the economy. Um, the IRS, uh, we, don't, we wouldn't need, you know, 80,000 IRS agents with, with a simplified tax system. I mean, and, and let's not forget that uh, Lois Lerner, uh, Lerner, who uh, ran the IRS enforcement for Obama, you know, weaponized the IRS and used it to go after political enemies. And that's mm -hmm. I fear that's exactly what Joe Biden's going to do with these extra 10,000 uh, IRS. Of course yeah. he is. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's peek. When Ronald Reagan left Washington, D.C. in early 1989, 
there were two tax rates, 15% and 28%. Yeah. Just want to, yeah. that's just a bit of, and that was the law, two yeah. tax rates. That was all we had. Now, we've come a long way away from that, Yeah, and what's, you know, it's interesting, Larry, if you think back to when President Trump uh, put forward his tax plan, his tax proposals, uh, the most popular thing by far was his promise to ba- basically make it so that everything could be on one postcard. Remember, mm-hmm. it was kind of it, yes, it was lowering rates, but polling showed that Americans actually more cared about having it be simpler because mm-hmm. because in the complexity, we know there's a lot of skullduggery. We know there's uh, things that are handed out to special interest groups and special ventures, whether it's climate change or some other. Uh, preferred cause, that's, it, it, it completely deceives from the people, from the voters, what really money is going for. Uh, again, I'm sort of babbling about this because, again, it, it just infuriates me. But, for example, when people talk about electric car, you can run them for free or, you know, solar energy is so cheap. None of those things is true, but we don't know it because of all the tax benefits that those industries are getting. On the other side of the coin, they always talk about taking away the tax handouts to the oil and gas business. They aren't handouts. It's exa- The depletion allowance is exactly like depreciation. It mm-hmm. basically means you can charge against income the cost of drilling wells and producing oil. Mm-hmm. So it's also dishonest, and like so many else, other things in our government, it hides very important issues. And, you know, I hope Steve's right. I hope there is a groundswell of enthusiasm for a flat tax because, boy, oh, boy, does it make sense. Well, Steve... We've been saying this for 30 years, ever yeah. since Reagan left. Yeah. We've been yeah, saying the country's ready yeah. for a flat tax. Um, Steve, can, uh, I, yeah. no, go, ahead. go uh, ahead. I just wanted to mention one thing, Larry. Do you know who does the uh, taxes in the Moore household? Ann. Yeah, so you don't want to be around anywhere near her. <laughs> well, Judy, Judy Cudlow, my saintly, my so, saintly a, wife, Judy a, Cudlow. A, she's angry about how much we're paying, uh, but B, she's angry about it. It's just so freaking complicated. Yeah, you know? Know. And why does my, it have to be so complicated? Why does it have to take hours and days and weeks to figure out how much taxes you owe? Yeah, well, my saintly <laughs> wife, Judy, is in the same boat. She's in a bad mood. <laughs> It's exactly the same. You do your family taxes. <laughs> Why do we let the women do our taxes? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I have to, we'll have to have a segment on that at some time. Can I, uh, one point, you know, this business about the Biden budget would raise the income tax rates to the highest in the uh. developed world. You know, uh, Steve, who buried Biden's tax hikes this past week? Kirsten Cinema. She came out with yep. a strong statement yep. burying it. Good for oh. her, you know, good for her. Well, you know, the Democratic Party has shifted so much in the last 30 years. You know, you mentioned that uh, tax bill that uh, Reagan did, the tax reform bill in, in 1986 that lowered the rate to 28 percent. That passed 97 to 3 right. in the United States Senate. 97. That means Ted Kennedy voted for it. Uh, Joe Biden voted Joe Biden. for it. Al yep. Gore ba- voted for it. I mean, uh, you know, all these Howard Metzenbaum, remember these famous liberals? Everybody mm-hmm. agreed, you know, let's have a broad-based tax system with a low rate. Now I don't think you could get a single Democrat in the t- – maybe Kristen Sinema being the only one who would yeah. be in favor of going back to a 28% tax rate. They, my God, they want to raise the rate to 50 60 70%. No, it's since Joe Manchin killed the spending. 
And Kirsten yep. Cinema killed the tax hike, and I got to yeah. give them uh, both. Uh, both them. Man enormous. and woman of the year. Yeah, no, no, it's it's, it's really a huge contribution to American life. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, Liz, do you do the taxes in your household? <laughs> no, I do not. I would lose my mind. I mean, when I was when I was starting out on Wall Street, and and. Uh, you know, got some bonuses and and nothing like what is paid today, certainly. But I, you know, was doing pretty well for someone right out of school. I used to cry when I talked to the tax guy. I literally would be in tears. I couldn't understand why they were taking so much money away from me. So you know, it only got worse. It's only gotten worse. But let's go back to Joe Biden's. I want to go back to understanding why he paid twenty four point six percent. Yeah, I know. Pretty remarkable, and that's this all is... capital gains. I don't know how he did that. This is laptop excluded, by the way. Remember Well, that. and actually, Larry, no kidding. I mean, if you actually go back, if, if Hunter Biden was paying a lot of Joe Biden's uh, expenses, mm-hmm. that's something somebody had to report that because you ha- there's a limit on what you can give somebody in the way of a gift, right? There's a gift tax yes. limit. Uh, and it, I wonder if anyone has ever looked into that. I think we're trying to. You know, yeah. they're, they're sweeping the computer uh Completely. This, the guy is in Geneva, Switzerland, Geneva or Zurich. He was one of Steve Bannon's guys. I can't think of his name right now, but we're going to know a lot more about that laptop uh, before too long. Steve Moore, what what do you want us to do on the tax day on the show on Monday? Uh, let's make the strongest case possible with our friend Steve Forbes for blowing up the tax code and yeah. making it simple. I love the idea of the postcard return, Liz. That would, that would make life so wonderful. That's Wouldn't right. it, though? Steve Moore, Liz Peak. Thank you, kids. Appreciate it. We will see you on Monday.